Don't try to make things happen in your own energy, in your own plans, in your own will, but wait on the Lord. Paul's point isn't about circumcision, but your relationship with the Lord. Enjoy the Lord. And I think that that's important for us to understand because, first of all, we can get impatient. First of all, we can desire to make things happen on our own, our own plans. And know that the Lord desires to make a wonderful plan for you and to bless your life. Welcome to Under the Fig Tree. Under the Fig Tree is a verse-by-verse study taught by Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We are currently studying through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Jeff. When he states, I not the Lord say, what he is simply saying is this, is that Jesus did not specifically speak on this point, this, this particular issue. God hasn't given any previous revelation on this matter. But Paul, as he's inspired by the Spirit of God, as he is given apostolic instructions in this case, you Corinthians understand this, that you who have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ already being married, you that find yourselves being married to an unbeliever. And again, they were thinking, well, does the Lord uh, recognize this marriage? Perhaps we should divorce our unbelieving spouse. And Paul says, no, you're not to do that. If your unbelieving spouse is willing to stay with you, then do not divorce them. Your marriage is still valid. Now, why would a person who is married to an unbeliever want to make every effort to keep the marriage together? Well, Paul here gives three reasons. He says, first of all, in verse 14, that the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. The reason that you should remain married to your unbelieving spouse is because you will sanctify them. Now, it does not mean that they are saved. That is very clear, isn't it? Because Paul is referring to them as unbelievers. But what he is saying is this, is that the believing spouse will bring blessing and benefit into the relationship. It's kind of like back in the book of Genesis. Joseph, you remember the story of Joseph, that Joseph ended up in Egypt. And through a series of, of situations and circumstances, Joseph found himself being elevated in the empire. He found himself being a right-hand man to Pharaoh. And the reason that he was is because he was one that God gave him the gift and the ability to interpret dreams. And so there is Joseph in prison. And Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh's astrologers and magicians and All his guys could not tell him the interpretation of the dream. So one of them says, hey, there's a a Hebrew down there in in jail. He has the ability to interpret dreams. He did it for us, is what the butler would say to Pharaoh. And so they brought him up, and it was Joseph that interpreted that dream for Pharaoh. And he said, Pharaoh, the dream that you had, the meaning is this, and God is interpreting this dream for you. And that is you're going to have seven years of good crops, plenty, And so what you are to do is store up some of that crops and save some of it because there's going to be years of famine that are going to follow. And it was Pharaoh that said, because of the wisdom that you have, Joseph, wisdom that's not found anywhere in Egypt. You see, Joseph had God's wisdom and God's knowledge that you're going to be my prime minister. 
And Egypt was saved because of the wisdom of God, because of God working through Joseph and the fact that Joseph feared God. I can't help but think about Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. You read about him in the book of Daniel. And it was Daniel who was a young man that was taken off into captivity, in the Babylonian captivity there, and he would there serve Nebuchadnezzar. He also found favor with God, Daniel did, becoming Nebuchadnezzar's right-hand man. And we know that through the witness and through the testimony and the wisdom of Daniel as God was working through him, that it would minister to Nebuchadnezzar. We know that that would be true through the witness and through the testimony of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3. Remember, they're thrown into the burning, fiery furnace because Nebuchadnezzar wanted those three men to bow down to a statue. They said, no, we're not going to do that, Nebuchadnezzar. We don't care if you throw us into the burning, fiery furnace, but we're going to serve God and worship only him. And so they were thrown into that furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar is watching, looking in, and he sees a fourth like the Son of God. It was the Lord there with them. And, and Nebuchadnezzar cries out, Come out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for I know that your God is the God of heaven and earth. Now Nebuchadnezzar at that time, he didn't become a believer because he says to them, Your God, your God, Nebuch- you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, your God is a great fireman. And saving you. But as you move into Daniel chapter 4, you see that Nebuchadnezzar went insane for seven years. And I think that in that seven years that Daniel would protect Nebuchadnezzar, would continue to serve. He didn't take advantage of him, didn't try to overthrow him, didn't make decrees concerning certain things. But Nebuchadnezzar was blessed and benefited because Daniel was a man that feared God. And we know that he would write a letter to the world proclaiming that God truly is the Lord. And I believe Nebuchadnezzar got saved. You see, there was blessing and there was benefit. So a Christian married to an unbeliever is not to worry that they themselves that are married just defiled, but the opposite is the case. The presence of one saved in the relationship brings blessing to the unbelieving spouse. Second of all, not only is the unbelieving spouse sanctified, but your children are holy and they are not unclean. You bring blessing and benefit to your children. The presence of just one Christian parent will protect the children and bring blessing to the children. And again, it's not that their salvation is assured. They're going to have to grow up and make their own decision concerning Jesus Christ. But they do receive spiritual blessing, don't they? And benefit because of that believing parent, that believing parent who desires and makes a decision, the one who is a Christian, that, you know what, I'm going to bring blessing to my children. You have the opportunity to instill value and truth and morality, but more importantly, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know that there are some parents that are here, that you're the ones that you bring, the one spouse, believing spouse, maybe perhaps you're married to an unbeliever. You get your kids up and you get them dressed and you bring them here. And I know that's not always easy. But God bless you for doing that, and we want to support you and encourage you in that. That is very important in what you're doing and bringing your child to learn of the things of God and and to, to learn of the truth of the Lord, and you continue to minister to them and raise them up in the ways of the Lord. And so you bring blessing and benefit to that child, the believing spouse. So why should the believer stay with their unbelieving spouse? Number one, the unbelieving spouse is sanctified by the believing spouse. Secondly, 
The children are holy, that is, they receive blessing and benefit from the believing parent. And then thirdly, who knows, that you might bring salvation to your unbelieving spouse. Being married to a Christian does not make the unbelieving spouse saved, but hopefully it will make the chances much greater. The fact that one partner is saved means that God is at work in the relationship. When a husband or a wife is committed to godliness there in the marriage, it greatly increases the chances of winning that unsaved partner. I know it doesn't always happen. And I know it's not always easy. But the possibility is there, is what Paul is saying. So Paul writes in verse 15, If the unbelieving spouse departs, let them go. Now, it does not mean that the marriage is broken, that it's initiated or sought by the believers. Paul has just counseled us that the Christian is to stay with their spouse to keep the marriage together. But if the unbeliever departs, let them go. And it interests me that Paul makes this comment. He says, you're not called to be under bondage, but God has called us to peace. And I know that there are certain situations that come when there's, as Jesus would say, immorality that takes place. When there is a leaving of the spouse, that there is divorce that does happen. And again, I'm sorry for you who have been through that kind of hurt. But I also want to, to take this verse here, and I want to just say something to those of you who are single, that Paul says concerning the unbelieving spouse that leaves, you're not under bound, bound to bondage, but you're given over to peace. And it should be a warning to those who are single that don't yoke yourself unequally to an unbeliever. They may treat you very nicely. They may be kind to you at this time. But you may be leading yourself into a situation that you're going to find yourself in bondage. And I want to encourage those who are single, who desire to get married someday, who desire to have a family. And I know those desires are very real. That you wait on the Lord and trust on the Lord. And you wait for him to bring that godly person into your life and trust that he's going to bless that marriage as he does. That person who's going to take on the responsibilities that are given to them to being the spouse that they have called to be in the Lord. That you look and you be serious about, I want that individual to be one who's going to lead me, you young ladies or you who are single. And for you men to wait for that godly woman that's going to come along. But don't try to force things to happen where, oh, I'm going to marry an unbeliever just so the sake of getting married. Paul says you're not called to bondage, you're called to peace. And God wants the very best. And there's a reason why he says not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. So may that be a little bit of a warning and something to pray through and consider here this morning for you who are single. And so verse 17, Paul continues, but as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. So Paul giving us a principle here for, for living for God, having a heart for God, where you're at right now. And I believe that perhaps that Paul may be saying that to the Corinthian believers, first of all, because he's warning them not to undo the past when it comes to, to relationships. God wants us to live for him. And if there's been sin in the past, he wants us to come to him as we repent of that and live for him, receive his forgiveness, and then move on in the Lord. So, for example, if you wrongly divorce your your spouse and you're remarried now, 
You're a Christian. Live for the Lord right now. And know that you don't have the mindset of, well, I must you know, leave my spouse now and go back to my first wife or my first husband and try to undo the past. That's not what Paul is saying here. He's saying whatever state that you find yourself in, that God has you in, walk in that place right now. Whatever your status, whether it's single or married, whether widowed or divorced, remarried, whatever, God can and still will work in your life. And you see, as I mentioned last week, sometimes we can make the mistake of thinking, I know, Lord, that, that I would really have a heart for you or you would work in my life if I was just married or I wasn't married. Paul's saying, no. Walk with the Lord now. Walk for the Lord right now, right in a place where you're at. And again, it doesn't mean that if you're single, you won't have a desire to be married. Of course you will. But right now where you're at today, that you live for the Lord and you have a heart for the Lord. And he's going to continue to talk about that, verse 18. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be uncircumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. So verse 20, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. And Paul says that in verse 20. He's not saying that your status or your state can't change. Being single, that you have to remain in that. He's going to continue to talk about, you know what, just excelling here in the state that you're in. He's already said that if you're single, that you can go ahead and get married. It's okay to do that. But what he is saying here is just be who you are. Enjoy the Lord. Keep the commandments. And you are to walk with the Lord. He says, if you're Jewish circumcised, don't try to be uncircumcised, vice versa. What he's saying is don't try to make things happen in your own energy, in your own plans, in your own will, but wait on the Lord. Paul's point isn't about circumcision, but your relationship with the Lord. Enjoy the Lord. And I think that that's important for us to understand because, first of all, we can get impatient. First of all, we can desire to make things happen on our own, our own plans, And know that the Lord desires, as we're going to talk about in a little bit, to make a wonderful plan for you and to bless your life if we just rest in Him. But also our society, there's so much pressure that can be on us, isn't there? To be this and to be that and have this status and and all that that every one of us can feel. So what Paul is saying, listen, just enjoy the way that the Lord made you and enjoy where He has you. May you be content where he has you today. Again, it doesn't mean that you don't have desires to continue on or to have things change in your life, but you wait on the Lord. And you enjoy where you're at, where the Lord has you in whatever season it might be. And I know that, that whether we're young or whether we're old, whether we're single or whether we're married, the Lord desires for us to just be content The Lord desires for us to look to Him and to experience His joy, to experience His love and walk with the Lord and live for the Lord. And we can feel the pressures of society and family or others and friends that, you know what, if your status was different or if you were single and and not married, if you were married and not single and all of this that we can feel. And the Lord is saying what you are to do is live for me now and just trust in me. He goes on in verse 21, Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. 
But if you can't be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You are bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. So again, just saying, walk with the Lord, live for the Lord in the state you find. Now, whatever state you might find yourself in, I know being single that there's challenges. And it can bring its own difficulty. I'm very much aware of that. Perhaps just loneliness or desire to be with somebody and to get married and to have children. I know that being married can bring its own challenges as well, can it? Or being widowed. Or being remarried. Or whatever our status may be. Whatever status that there is, there is challenges. There can be difficulties. And some of you face difficulties in the situation that you are in. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. But I like what the apostle is saying here. He's saying you can live for the Lord now. And you have a heart for the Lord. And yes, there's there's difficulties in all of our lives and the situations or state that we find ourselves in. There's challenges, isn't there? But he says, remember this, that you were bought at a price. And don't become slaves of men. I like what he says. He says, don't be concerned. If you're made free, rather use it. He says, he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. I can't help but think about this for your consideration. In 2 Kings chapter 5, there is a story there about a commander of the Syrian army. His name was Naaman. Many of you are familiar with that story. And Naaman, as Second Kings chapter 5 says, he was mighty and an honorable man in the eyes of his people there in Syria. He was a, a man of valor, the scripture says. And what he was doing is he was making raids on the ten northern tribes in Israel. And so what he does in, in these raids is he brings back a young girl from Israel who ended up being a slave in his house serving Naaman's wife. Well, Naaman comes down with leprosy. Leprosy was a terrible, terrible disease, a dreadful disease. There was no cure for it, no treatment for it. If you had leprosy, eventually it would lead to death. And this mighty commander, this man who was a a man of valor in the eyes of his people, he has leprosy. And this young girl who was a slave in his house would say, if only my master knew the man of God, Elijah, then he would be healed of his leprosy. And Naaman, when he heard that message of hope, he went and he found Elijah, the prophet there in Israel. And Elijah told him, go dip in the river, the Jordan River, seven times, and you'll be healed. And when Naaman did that, did what the prophet told him to do, he came out of the river, healed of his leprosy. But my point is this. God used a young slave girl to bring that message of hope to Naaman. She didn't have the attitude of, well, I hope Naaman just suffers and dies painfully of that leprosy. It will serve him right because he took me away from my homeland. She wasn't bitter about the situation. She wasn't upset about it, but rather she had concern for him. And she gave a message of hope that if you only knew the man of God, And God used her where she was at 
And Naaman got saved. He recognized that the God of Israel, the God of Elijah, was truly God. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel enslaved in whatever situation, maybe in your workplace and in your job, maybe in your family somehow, maybe even in your marriage or being a single state. But please don't be bitter, but allow the Lord to use you to give a message of hope to those who are leprous and been eaten away by sin. Hey, if you only knew the Son of God, then you would be healed and delivered and saved. And Paul says something very important for us to understand. You have been bought at a price. What does that mean? Peter says in his epistle, we've been redeemed. Not with corruptible things like gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Christ. So we're reading an article earlier in the week. It was an article concerning professional athletes, but the article was talking about how some of these athletes will be, and we know this, we hear it all the time with professional athletes, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, signing these multi-million dollar contracts. I mean, huge amounts of money, and that's just a part of it. Then you have the endorsements, and then you have you know the jerseys that they sell at the stores that they get money for. We're talking millions and millions of dollars. So here's this athlete that also will produce millions of dollars for their team. So the investment is great, isn't it? So because that investment is dealing with millions of dollars to that team and to that franchise, that athlete has the best of everything. That athlete has the best trainers available, the best dietitians, the best physical therapists, the best doctors. Even have counselors, even have those now because you've got 20-year-olds that are all of a sudden multimillionaires, those who will manage their lives and help them to be able to manage all of those things because a lot of them can't handle it. They have everything they need to stay healthy and to do well. Why? Because the investment is significant with all the money that's involved. So guess what? I want us to all understand something. It's nothing, nothing compared to what God has done for you and for me in redeeming us and purchasing us and shedding his blood for you and for me. The price that he paid for you and I is immense. All the money in the world could not buy your salvation, my salvation, our forgiveness, right relationship with the Father. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ, which means this and never forget it that he's going to make sure that you are tended well and taken care of. He's going to take care of you. And he's going to provide for you. And he promises to work all things for good for those who love him. And he's going to work in whatever circumstance you find yourself in today. You just rest in him. You look to him. You walk with him. The price that he paid for me, for you, is unbelievable. Therefore, we can be confident that whatever comes into your life or whatever is going on in your life, that he loves you and he's going to do the very best for you because you belong to him. Paul says you may be a slave, but in the Lord you're free. And if you are called while you are free, remember this. 
that you're a slave. That is, you're a servant of Jesus Christ. But listen, don't become slaves of men. And don't let the world come with all their vice and philosophy and the pressure and all of this to put on you. You look to the Lord because you belong to Him. You don't put yourself under the control or influence of the world and other people. You follow Christ in the Word of God. You serve Christ where you're at right now. And you thank Him for the salvation that you have and have a heart of gratitude. And you know what? He will do more in your life as you trust Him and yield to Him. More than you could ever do in your own energies and your own efforts. And you may not understand all that's going on right now. You may be frustrated in the situation that you're in right now. But know this, the investment is great, greater than any investment that has ever been made in this world. He has redeemed you with His precious blood. He's going to take care of you. Thank you for joining us on Under the Fig Tree. If you would like a copy of today's study, please call us and ask for the message with today's date. Our phone number is 970-330-1717. That number again, 970-330-1717. If you prefer, you can write us at 2602 West 27th Street, Greeley, Colorado, 80634. You can also visit us online at ccgreeley.com. Under the Fig Tree is brought to you by Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We invite you to join with us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and our Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Please join with us next time as we continue to study the Bible together on Under the Fig Tree.